What if we could transform the experience of being a woman chiropractor from one of constant stress and burnout, trying to juggle all the things to one of ease, energy, and thriving both in business and in life. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson Ridley. I'm a woman DC who became one of the one in five chiropractors who burn out in practice by year seven. To the outside world, I achieved the financial and business success only 1% of the profession reaches. But the reality was it left me bruised and battered both emotionally and physically. Today, I help other women chiropractors revitalize their body and practice by stepping into their unique power and rewriting the rules so that they can thrive at home and in business. What we do is far too important for so many of us to struggle and burn out. And this show brings you the conversations, lessons, and permission to be you, redefine success, and transform the experience of being a female chiropractor. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex. Today, I am joined by Abby Parrott, who wants mom to know they don't have to choose between kids and a career. She's the coach and mentor moms turn to when they want to break into freelance writing and earn great money from home on their own terms. And we're going to relate all this to chiropractic since that's who's listening to the show. She combines nearly 20 years of experience freelancing for some of the world's biggest companies with firsthand knowledge of having five kids on her of her own, including two with special needs. She understands the unique challenges moms face every day and has created programs specifically tailored to meet those challenges and empower moms all over the world to have it all. And I should mention, she also lives in Israel, even though she is <laughs> from the United States. Indeed. (laughs) Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And so, you know, for our listeners, our our game plan here is to kind of cover the whole work-life balance thing as a mom, because I know most every all of all of us struggle with this as as women in any entrepreneurial role. And so that's Mm -hmm. very prevalent in the chiropractic world. And we're also going to talk about some email tricks. Indeed, I'm I'm really excited about. (laughs) Fantastic, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive in. I'm actually curious, like, what had you choose to be an entrepreneur? With what's your entrepreneurial story? Let's start. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, It started. I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur or even a business owner for a very long time. When I had my first baby, I was, um, I want to say I was 23 years old and I was working at the time in a little boutique Marcom agency, marketing communications agency in Tel Aviv. And when I say tiny, I mean, it was, there were three people and I was the only woman. So in addition to being the junior copywriter, I was the de facto secretary and maker of coffee because mm-hmm. that's how things go when you're the woman. And I didn't love that. I was willing to put up with it. But then once I had a baby, I was like, there's no way that I'm leaving this child with someone else so that I can go and make coffee for two men. That's not happening. <laughs> um, and also, I post having a baby, I was like, I never want to wear pants with buttons again. And I was really looking for something that would allow me to be at home with my baby and not have to wear pants with buttons. And I fell into freelance writing felt like, you know, where I'm going to end up because I, I had this, I mean, minor experience as a writer and I figured it sounded cool. 
And I didn't really know like what was going to happen and how I was going to get paid, but I figured I could make this work. And I did. And for a long time, I thought of myself as a freelance writer, not an entrepreneur, not a business owner. It was only later after a lot of years of doing this, when I had five kids and I'd been freelance writing for a long time, um, that I actually took a break from everything because my um, my middle child, who is one of the ones with special needs, um, had cancer and was sick for a couple of years. And I didn't work at all during that time. And then when he was better, I was thinking about how do I go back into freelance writing? And the thought of dealing with clients right then was very overwhelming to me. <laughs> I did not have the emotional strength necessary to be in that like serving mindset. And I was in a Facebook group of moms of kids with cancer and showing them how they could freelance and earn some money while caring for children with cancer, which is fairly time consuming in and of itself. And through teaching them, I was like, oh, this, I, I like this. This is very, this feels really good to me. I really like being able to help people and see directly the impact that my help is having on their lives and their families and their income. And that's when I started looking into how could I build a business around this? And that's when I really fell into that world of entrepreneurial whatever and th started thinking of myself in that different way as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. And it, it really was a, a massive shift in my thinking and the way I related to my business and began little things like spending money on my business, on things that made my business work more smoothly and that made life simpler for me with that simple semantic shift, which is so interesting to me. Um, and so I guess that's my entrepreneurial story, how I fell into that world. Wow. There's a lot of things we can actually go through. And unpack in there. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that's amazing. And, you know, for every single woman listening to this show, like whether you have your own practice or have, are an associate with someone or work, you know, we have a lot of husband and wives who own practices mm -hmm. together. Like we all have our journey into it. And I think we can often parallel things. Like I, I had a similar journey of my ex-husband was very much like not down with the idea of me owning a business because of the unknowns, right? Like you don't know how much money you're going to make in a month at the beginning and like all that stuff. So I took a job and it was for this very misogynistic male who actually ended up in jail for <laughs> most Wait. of the last decade. <laughs> and it was similar. Like as soon as I had a baby, I was like, oh, I cannot be here. This is just, no. just heck, heck no. So I launched a practice when my son was six weeks old because that seemed easier than than that. Right. And I knew it, it right. Uh and, and it's it's really, I think it really is about choose your hard and choose your easy, right? Like yeah. it's it's hard to not know how much money you're going to make. And it's hard to have your salary determined by someone else. Like choose yes. the hard that you feel more comfortable with. Choose the one that you're more willing to do work for. And because, you know, all things are hard and all things can be easy. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really about what you're choosing. So, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Love that. Okay. So, you know, we have this arrival at entrepreneurialism. <laughs> and I, I love what you said around like actually shifting like semantically that identity. It made things mm -hmm. more simple, which yeah. I, this is a big thing in the chiropractic world. We have so much chaos and it's like, how can we just make it simple? And right. you know, this is really like where I'm at in my entrepreneurial journey right now. It's like, what's mm -hmm. the easiest, most simple? Not, it's not always easy, but like, how can I uncomplicate this? 
Uncomplicated. Yeah. I'm a very, like, I I joke around a lot. I say that I'm a very lazy person. And what I mean by that is I don't want things to be complicated. I don't want them to be hard. I want them to be fun and I want them to feel good. I don't want my work to feel like work. I just had a client call earlier today and we were reviewing some of the content that I've put together for her. And she said, I don't know how you turn this out. And I said, because this is fun for me. Like when I can get into the work and be spending time on it, like I enjoy myself and I don't notice that I've spent six or eight hours deeply working on something because it doesn't feel like work. It feels like fun. It feels like being creative. Um, and, And I'm all about really embracing that in my in my late 40s i i don't want to do things that aren't fun and that don't light me up yeah well and you've tapped into what you know the world now calls like your zone of genius it's that mm-hmm. place where things just flow and you don't notice how much time is passing and it's fun for you and it is like it is. you can do it all day long and your fun is going to be different from someone else's fun absolutely and, yeah so i love that and really giving yourself permission to live there I, yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's huge. Okay. So for there's so many directions we could go. I I am curious because obviously you've been through like a lot with your kids and I've had other Mm -hmm. chiropractic, like I had, I have one friend from school. I interviewed her at the very beginning of my first podcast, but they have five kids, two sets of twins Mm -hmm. that came back to back and all of them were under five at one point. And they both, (laughs) like they, they both went practice. Wow. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah. So just talking to her, I was like, wow, that has challenged you in so many ways. And in like an awesome way, she's like, you can't give them an inch. (laughs) They'll they'll eat you alive. Right. Um, But, you know, for you, how have you found and been able to maintain balance? Like, obviously when you're, on how to major health crisis, you mm-hmm. sat back and, and did what you needed there, which like we all were moms, we do right. that. But like, what does that look like? At well, in stages? general, anytime somebody, and anytime somebody says, well, how do you do it all? I mean, it makes me laugh because nobody's doing it all. We choose no. <laughs> what we are doing and we choose, you know, what we care about and what we care about less. And, um, you know, if you tell me how you spend your time and your money, I can tell you where your priorities are, right? We, yeah. There's the things that we like to pretend are our priorities. And there's the things that we actually prove to ourselves on a daily basis are our priorities mm-hmm. by the choices that we're making. Um, so I, do not care about folding laundry, for example. Um, yeah. Don't care about it. I am perfectly happy to allow clean laundry to live in a basket and to remove clean laundry from a basket on a daily basis. Now that my kids are bigger, I i mean, I have made laundry a chore that they do and I hold them accountable by charging them money <laughs> if they don't get it done. And I have to take the laundry, like if I have to send the laundry, because I'm not going to do it. So I have to send the laundry out for someone else to do because they've ignored it. Then I charge them money for that, which keeps them on I their toes. Like they- you yeah. know, they can make the choice. Like, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I mean, I certainly don't want my house to be dirty, but I'm okay with it being, um, messy. Like, you know, there's a difference yeah. between dirt and mess, right? Like I, I prefer that it's organized, but I don't prefer it enough that I'm going to prioritize taking my time to be the one to organize it. So again, these are chores that I hold my kids responsible for. My husband does things like my husband cares very much about having the sink be empty when we go to bed. And I'm like, great. 
then you can be in charge of that because <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't affect my sleep at all. So <laughs> things like that, I uh, it's very easy for me to take off my plate and to not make a thing that I need to get done. The things that are a priority to me, um, spending individual time with my kids and nobody's saying that I need to spend six hours a day with each child. There aren't enough hours in the day for that, but mm -hmm. even 10 focused minutes with, and it doesn't have to be every kid every day, right? Like, but 10 focused yeah. kid with one kid on a day or even little things like I have reminders in my, I live and die by like calendar reminders and timers and alarms on my phone. Mm -hmm. Cause I have zero short-term memory. Um, so I will have myself reminders like text, text someone, I love them. And it's literally just this reminder that pops up for me. And each day I'll kind of text either a different kid or my husband, not with a, Hey, I need you to do something, but with a, Hey, I just want you to know how much I love you. And I think you're awesome. And it's nice, you know, it's nice to get messages like that in the middle of the day for no reason. And with nothing attached to it. Cause I find that when my kids text me, mommy, I love you. It's usually followed by, can you drive me to, or like, <laughs> can I have $5 for, um, so, so having that like no strings attached message pop up, it, it can be a nice feeling. Um, mm -hmm. I don't do it all. I don't pretend to do it all. I pick the things that matter to me and the things that matter to me in our priorities can vary by the day and can vary, vary by the season. And we will always make time for and find money for the things that we prioritize. And, and it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting sometimes, like I don't allow myself to say, I don't have time for X. I always make myself, if I catch myself saying that I rephrase and I say that X isn't a priority for me. So like, oh, I didn't have time to exercise. Mm. Well, I guess exercise wasn't a priority to me today. And if I feel like that sentence sounds or feels bad in my mouth and my brain, then I know I need to examine how am I choosing to spend my time? So that's, uh, that's how I, I do the things that I do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's so much juicy gold in there that like I think all women need to hear and I'm similar I let go a long time ago of needing to have the dishes done before going to bed or mm -hmm. I was a single mom and building a business yeah. for five years basically yeah um because even when I was married I he wasn't really around so mm -hmm. it yeah it like this you know we have to look at where where did those things come from that like it's right. like this 1950s stay-at-home housewife thing like still perpetuates our, how we view and, how our houses are supposed to look today. And I'm like, and even, hey. yeah. And, you know, and even when we say, okay, like we feel that we need to tell people, well, I've chosen not to care about this. Whereas men don't have yeah. to tell anyone that no. they've chosen not to care about this. Like there's still <laughs> an enormous amount of the mental load that we carry. And even if we've made certain choices in, within our own families and within our own lives, not everyone in the world around us accepts or embraces those choices. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, I'm traveling right now for work. So I am in the United States. The rest of my family is at home in Israel. And I'm still the person getting the text from my son's teacher saying, Hey, you guys need to bring in cut up melon for the end of the school year <laughs> party. And I was like, okay, I'm forwarding this to my husband because I'm in Miami and I can't help you. And, um, yeah. and she's like, Oh, so it, is your son's father going to be able to cut the melanomite? He has handled a knife before indeed. Like he can actually do that. It will be okay. So, um, yes, we allow him to cut up melon. It's like crazy, yeah. you know, like it's so well, hard I for wonder, the outside world. Since you're from the U S and living in a different 
mm-hmm. place, like as their cultural stuff. That oh. is, you know, because I, I view that part of the yeah. world as being a little more behind the times than we are here. And definitely, States. there's there's so much cultural difference. And my husband, um, my husband's family comes from a very different background to mine. Um, you know, my family is like Eastern European background, um, and his family is Moroccan, which is a completely different cultural whatever. Um, and, uh, small things like if you came to my house and I invited you in and I said, Hey, Alex, would you like something to drink? And you said, no, thank you. I'm good. I would not actually give you a drink. But if my mother-in-law came to my house and said, and I said, hi, would you like something to drink? And she said, no, I would be expected to continue to ask her and then give her a drink anyway, despite her telling me that she does not want one. And I refuse <laughs> to play these, like, I will not do this. <laughs> So yeah. uh, I am not well liked. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So that's, that's amazing. Well, and you know what I admire about you and just love like you have this bubbly personality and you just own who you are. And like, I do. <laughs> and that I think, me. I mean, that's it. That's a combination of being in my late 40s and having had a kid who nearly died because it is just, you know, life is short and I don't care and I don't have time to waste on other people's crap anymore. Um, so yeah, it is, it is very much take me or leave me. I'm going to be okay. And, and, and it's all good. I have, you know, the people in my life who are the most important to me are my family. Um, and as long as they love me, I'm, I'm good. Everybody else I can, you can choose what you want to do. It's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. So for everyone listening, here's your inspiration to (laughs) own, own it. Own it and let it yes. be okay. And you are That's enough right. and you are perfect exactly the way you are. Okay. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit just because I don't want to keep everybody forever. You know, I could go on talking to you for ages about all things <laughs> being a woman in different parts of the world and all that. But definitely um, let's let's talk about email. And you had sure. some interesting thoughts around this that I was like, ooh, because you know, I think we're all in business. It's like you're supposed to have an email list and you're supposed to email them. And like I started yeah. my practice. 10 years ago now. So I was kind of late to that party because it was like the digital revolution happened while I was in practice. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, what do we got? So what do we got? I think that email is such an amazing way to communicate with people. I think of email as a really intimate tool for communication. And I say intimate Mm -hmm. because most of us are checking email on our phones and for better or for worse, our phones come with us all the time. So when you wake up in the morning, you either check your email before you go to the bathroom or while you're in the bathroom. Like, let's be honest, let's be real and admit what we do. (laughs) That is what we do every morning. Um, So email is, it's intimate. It's with us in all of those intimate places. It's also intimate because on my phone, I have pictures of the five most beautiful children in the world and my amazing husband. And when you are emailing me, you're sharing space with those pictures and those messages from the people who I care about the most in the world. So it's this very, very intimate relationship. Um, and it gives you this chance to, to really be with people all the time in their pocket as they're going about their day. So communicating with people by email is so is incredibly powerful. It's important to do because you want your patients to know how much they mean to you and that you see them and value them as humans and that they are not just, you know, they're not just patients. They're not just someone you send bills to. They're not just someone 
you, um, you have, yeah, they're not just a number. It's not just this transactional relationship. There's actual, there's an actual relationship. There's emotion there. There's, um, you care about the health of your patients. So as, as doctors, the health of your patients and and their well being is is something that you're always thinking about. Even when you're not with your patients, they are occupying space in your mind, right? Like you are holding space for them. You are thinking about their issues. You are thinking about people you saw in the office today. And I hope that this whatever that we talked about went okay for her. And I'm just I'm, I want to check in, whatever. So email allows you to have these touch points. So even when you're when you're automating email, if you're sending a, an email newsletter to all of the patients on your list. There are still small ways that each individual patient can read that email and and feel that personal connection with you. Um, And it's just, it's so important to maintain that relationship. I know a lot of people think that, oh, emailing them once a week, it's going to be too much. They're going to, it's going to like make them crazy and they're going to feel overwhelmed. Not if you're giving them information they care about. If the email has something that's valuable for them, why would they... Why would they be unhappy about that? If you're showing them how much you care about them, if you're giving them some sort of quick tip, quick win that they can get, I'm sure, I mean, chiropractic is not my zone of genius. So I can't tell you off the top of my head, the kinds of things that might be coming up for you and that would be coming up for your patients. But off the top of my head, what I am thinking about is like, Small tips for posture while using your computer, um, small tips for relaxing the body when you're feeling tension, like where you might be carrying tension and how that might be affecting you. Things about your health that might be impacted by, I don't know, the movements you're making during the day, um, how you're carrying your body, little things like that. And if you have small bits of information, the emails don't have to be long. They don't have to be selling your services aggressively, but keeping in communication with people is going to build and strengthen that relationship over time in such exciting ways. Yeah. Okay. There's so many things here. All right. So, um, (laughs) you know, and the big thing with it is like, keeping top of mind. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. for you, like what your opinion is on calls to action, because it's become like a lot Mm -hmm. of the trainings and stuff I've been in is like, you need to call to action and like every single thing that you create and send out, like, I would say it's more about the relationship. It is definitely about the relationship and a call to action where, where people go wrong is they think that a call to action means I have to be selling something. Absolutely not. A call to action could be if we're not connected on Instagram, I would love to see you there. You know, please follow me on Instagram, connect with me on Instagram. Um, a call to action could be if you if you have some sort of, I don't know, a Facebook community for your patients, um, have them join that. Ooh, sorry, lo- losing an AirPod here. Um, yes. <laughs> Um, a call to action can be reply to this email and let me know what's you know, what's your biggest health issue right now? What's your biggest health concern? Mm-hmm. A call to action does not have to always be about selling. It, it can be about so many different kinds of things. So it can be used to build and strengthen that relationship and drive what I, I when I, when I talk to the clients about email, um, what I always say is that the most important statistic to be looking at is not how many, you know, how many sales you're getting per email. It's the engagement. It's are people opening your emails? Are people clicking your links? Are people replying to your emails? Those are the greatest indicators that you've built strong relationships with your community. And those are the strongest indicators that you are going to have sales because people who are engaged, they are going to buy from you. Yeah. And a lot of times they're just waiting for the invitation. Exactly. Exactly. 
And yeah. and I should add that some calls to action should be like, yeah, should like book occasionally a call, you should come on in. Yeah. But it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't need to be like people think, oh my God, I'm gonna email them every week and every week I'm gonna be selling them on a, you know, like come into the auto. No, not always. But yes, sometimes, like you said, they are sometimes literally waiting for the invitation. So sometimes your call to action should be like, if this is an issue you're having book, you know, click here to schedule a call, schedule a consult, whatever it is. Um, and I didn't mean to cut you off because I know you were saying something before, um, but I don't want to lose this thought. There are ways that you can build into email as well. Automated sequences where like, if you're talking about a specific, um, a specific service that you offer your patients and that service maybe needs some education around it uh, so that people understand the value behind it. So you might want to have like a, a general email to your whole list that's explaining this service and who it's good for. And if it's good, like if people are kind of raising their hand and saying, yes, I'm a person who's interested in that by clicking on specific links, then you could take them into an automated sequence that gives them greater information and leads them down the steps that they need to go through in order to book that consult or book that service. Yeah. I like that. That's really good. Does that makes sense. You know, Should I explain it that a yeah. little more? Yeah. Well, okay. my, so I had two questions. Um, mm-hmm. This one is related to this. Like, do you have an email platform that you really enjoy and like, and that is, you know, can be made to be intuitive like this? I also have one, but I'm curious what yours is. Yes. So I personally use ConvertKit, but I will say that I don't have to worry about HIPAA compliance. And I don't know if that's necessarily a concern for your audience. And I, and I don't... It is. I, yeah. So I, I kind of yeah. assume so. And I, I don't know, like, I know that I've heard, I want to say Mad Mimi might be one that I've heard that does the okay. same kind of work and that is HIPAA compliant. Um, I, I, I get that that's a concern and I don't know off the top of my head, which systems you want to look at. And it may be that like, you know, some, a system with some sort of plugin or something that I'm not qualified to speak on. And I don't want to give your people bad information. So after recording this episode, I decided to do some research for you all and find out what the HIPAA compliant email marketing softwares or, you know, platforms are. And I found I'm putting a link in the show notes to an article I found on Pobox, which Pobox is a service that does do HIPAA encryption on all of your email that you can certainly use if you want to be like really on top of the game with this. The big issue is that most of the email marketing stuff out there is not actually considered HIPAA compliant. And so there were five that are actually will sign a BAA with you. And if you're not familiar with that, that's a business associate agreement. It's like the first thing that you need in order to be HIPAA compliant. And it's that thing that if you're using G Suite or you know Google Workspace, Google will do that. And then that makes your email through there compliant. But you still need to send PHI, you know, personal health information. You still need some level of encryption both in the software and then in the cloud, which is where I think a lot of things run into trouble. So that said, um, the things you can check out, Active Campaign, which I have used personally. Um, unfortunately, both of the things Abby and I talked about are not HIPAA compliant. Um, but Active Campaign will sign a BAA, Constant Contact will as well, Infusionsoft or Keep will, and then Salesforce Marketing Cloud. <clears throat> and then you can certainly check out Pobox. I don't use them don't know them. The other thing that I got, I actually asked a question of those who do some email marketing in some of the chiropractic groups I'm in. The other thing that came up was Review Wave, which I think will be a little less 
it's it's more based on getting reviews and kind of maintaining client relationships in that way, but does a lot of texting and other stuff. So that's, you know, just depending on what your needs are and what you're looking at as you're listening to this, that's another option. So hopefully that helps and we'll get back to talking about this. Um, no, but I would be point. looking at, yeah, but like even with, I know for a fact that many healthcare professionals who are HIPAA compliant are using solid systems for email marketing. You don't need mm-hmm. like every single option to be available to you, but you do want to have the ability to create these automated sequences that can be triggered by specific actions on the user's part. So, yeah. And there's a lot of different options. And I also use ConvertKit, but I've moved out Mm -hmm. of the health space as well. So for all of our listeners, I'm going to research this when we're done. (laughs) And actually, I'll put in the show notes or either record a little thing afterwards, um, Mm -hmm. just giving you some ideas and options for everybody listening. I know I've used MailChimp previous, like that was what I started Mm -hmm. with. And I believe it was Mm -hmm. HIPAA compliant. I don't actually love it. I think it's missing a lot of things, but maybe it's improved over the years. It has has improved, but it's still like for me, it's always going to be like too steps behind everything else. I think that there, yeah. I, I think too, in terms of its intuitiveness and ease of use, I found it extremely complicated, even when it didn't do a lot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I've used yes. a- active campaign as well, which again, overwhelming, intuitive, very not at all. intuitive. Kit. When I started using yeah. active campaign, it was on the recommendation of somebody I trusted very much. And I was like, Oh, I'm all in, I'm going to go to active campaign. And I got inside there and I took one look at it. And I was like, I am a reasonably intelligent person and this is a freaking mess. I cannot do this. Like I would have to hire a person on my team just to do this and I am not willing to do that. So <laughs> yeah, back to ConvertKit I went. So yeah, look for a system that makes <laughs> sense to you or yeah. outsource it to somebody who's going to manage it know. for you. Yeah. Yep. And that's, you know, delegation is always okay. All especially the, if yes, you aren't absolutely. naturally a writer and like this, Right. If this stuff doesn't light you up and give you joy. <laughs> right. Then don't do it. <laughs> get, get somebody else to do it for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And my other question just kind of related to this is around mm-hmm. the idea of relationship building. And like, let's say, you know, you're in a practice or an office and like you've been doing candy mills from whatever system mm-hmm. that does them. Like I think a lot of the software programs that we use for notes, mm-hmm. you can set up an email sequence and they're largely probably impersonal and, you know, Mm -hmm. don't have you or your personality behind it. Like, where do you start with starting to kind of revitalize your list or get your list? Oh, yeah. Um, So a lot of people feel like, oh, should I, should I let my list know that I realize I've been negligent and now I'm going to change things? No, because like (laughs) they're not paying nearly as much attention as you think they are. You know, like how it is, if you ever walk out and you're like, you have like, uh, you spilled something on your shirt and you're sure that like everybody else knows that you spilled something on your shirt and they're just staring at you. They're not because they're thinking about what they spilled on their own shirt, you know? So it's the same thing with your email. Like nobody is spending that much time thinking, you know... I haven't had a lot of email lately from my doctor. Um, So it's not something that they're thinking about. You just, you start, you start and you start by sharing. And I mean, I feel, I feel that as women in healthcare, we have, you have this massive advantage because we are naturally more connected. We are naturally more Mm -hmm. emotional about things. um, And we do crave community. I was, again, I was on a call with a client and this client works with her husband. um, And he said to me, I'm just curious, is, is community like, is that a thing for women? Cause men, we don't care about that. And I was like, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing for us. (laughs) We do care about it, you know? So we need it actually as part of our stress. Indeed. Right. 
So absolutely. So start from your heart, like share with your patients what you feel like they need to be hearing from you at the beginning of, um, at, uh, at the beginning of COVID when like the world was so crazy and on a daily basis, the information was flying at us so fast and furious and things were changing so quickly. What I advised my clients, uh, like I, I asked them, think about what what you need to hear right now from your own mentors, because that's what your audience is desperate to hear from you. So think about it. Like what, what is it that you need to hear from the people you look up to right now? What are you wanting them to tell you? And then what is the version of that, that you are going to pass on to the patients who trust you with their health care? Um, what do they need to hear from you? I, I, any kind of content around maintaining your sanity in this crazy world. Um, you know, with, with anything that's going on, that's happening around us that we're, that we're all living through and, and carrying all of that stress in our bodies. I know for me, it's like always that one spot in my left shoulder mm-hmm. and my jaw gets tight and all those things, you know? So like anything that's going to, um, that's going to help you connect with those people really speak your heart. I think if you make a commitment and if you feel like once a week is not going to be realistic for you at first, that's Okay you decide on what you can do and you get consistent with it. If you, if you start with once a month, start with once a month when you can get to twice a month and then move up to that weekly. Awesome. But be, make that, make that commitment to yourself and remind yourself if you're the kind of person who's very externally motivated by deadlines, remind yourself, you're not doing this for yourself. Your patients are counting on you. This is something that they need from you and they are waiting for you to show up with this information. Um, and let that kind of be the driver if that's useful to you um, as a like as a motivator. Um, and just speak your heart and and don't worry about sounding professional or sounding businessy. We have this feeling like we need to put on our business persona. And de- I had a person once who was not a client, um, but who was telling me, "Oh yeah, I don't use contractions in my emails." And I was like, "Why not?" And he was like, "It doesn't sound professional." I'm like okay, who told you that? Like, that was just super weird. If you're a person who, my grandfather spoke English as a second language. um, And so he didn't speak with contractions. He spoke very formally. It would make sense to me when he wrote me letters that like he hand wrote. um, They were like in his very formal language, but they sounded exactly like him. I could hear his voice in my brain reading them. Your email should sound like you. Don't hesitate to... I walk around the house talking to myself and recording myself a lot when I'm trying to get my thoughts together. And then I will literally take the transcript and just you know, edit it. I might take out some of my random meanderings, but... If you've, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard me say several times, it's like this, it's like that. I might have thrown in a dude as well, because these are the things that I say when I talk normally. And so they come out in my email too. Um, I'm actually 12 years old, apparently. So, um, <laughs> okay. I've got my fillers. I say and so all the time. Like, there you go. I'll go and, and edit these and I'm like, I just don't care. <laughs> so sorry, everybody. <laughs> Totally, totally, totally. Like the things that make you, you make you, you, if your patients are used to you talking like that, when they come in to see you in the office, then let them experience that in your email as well, because it really feels to them like that's a part of you. So, yeah. Yeah. And just as an example of this, you know, I want to share with everybody. So when I was had my practice, um, I started a newsletter, I think it was bi-weekly, but we called it my 
practice was life sprout. So we called it, it was life sprout chiropractic. It was the life sprout nugget. I don't know where I came up with it <laughs> on the MailChimp. And I honestly, you know, I went through some pretty hard personal stuff. I, I went through divorce and kind of jumped from divorce into an affair actually. And I like tanked emotionally similar to you. I didn't really know how to show up and serve. Mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm. I ended up doing was somewhat vaguely, but, you know, sharing some of my journey of growing with that with my patient base in email. And, you know, there's coaches out there that'll be like, you know, never talk about personal stuff, never talk about religion and never talk about politics. And I talked about all of it. (laughs) I started, you know, sharing my faith, like people would respond and be like, I, you know, just, you know, sharing their own truth and and Mm -hmm, all this stuff. And mm -hmm. it just really deepened these relationships. And I had this practice that honestly, I never needed to market because it all grew word of mouth. And that's what everybody wants. And when you give yourself permission Mm -hmm. to show up and just be in relationship with people, it, Mm -hmm, it becomes mm -hmm. easy. (laughs) Like I had 10 patients a week. Exactly. Exactly. It becomes extremely easy and you're calling in exactly the right kind of patient. So, you know, when you say I did talk about religion, I did talk about politics. I did talk about my life, my, my struggles, the good stuff, the bad stuff, all of that. It is literally not only calling in exactly the right patients. It is pushing away the patients you don't want to deal with. And I'm not saying that they're bad people. They're just not the perfect fit patients for you. They could be absolute perfect fit patients for a different doctor. Um, and, And that is so empowering because again, like I said, when I work with clients, I want it to only be fun, right? Like I only want it to be good stuff. I want to enjoy it. So I don't want clients who are not going to align with my personal values with, um, Certainly, if someone's not okay with the fact that I'm living in Israel, I'm not the best writer for them, right? Like if if that right. doesn't align with their <laughs> politics, with their values, with their time zone, that's a real thing, right? Like s- totally cool. You don't have to work with me. There are like nine gajillion writers out there who you could choose to work with and that's totally yeah. fine. I want the people who are going to light me up and who like, like when I have a call with them, I want them to be like, this was so much fun. I always love when we get to have our content call. Awesome. That's how it should feel. So you should have patients who are like, I can't even imagine going to another doctor. And not only that, they're telling their friends about you. And then, like you said, you don't have to work as hard at the marketing. They're going out and doing it for you because it feels so good because they want their friends to also have that kind of experience. It is going to do wonders for you when you share yourself and your heart and your whole self with your patients. I think it must also be a lot of fun. Like if you have patients who are around your age and who have kids around the ages of your kids and like getting to grow up together and getting to build those relationships and being an active part of your, your local community in that way, I think must be so powerful and, and, and exciting. It is. And there's so much that's rewarding about it. And then there's all these things that also cause so much burnout (laughs) among (laughs) us. And so this is one of those places where, you know, I think every, like for everyone listening, it's really about letting go of all of the, you know, image of what we're supposed to be Mm -hmm. like, you know, this, this mold that we're supposed to fit into as doctors and what our practices are supposed to be like Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to actually show up as you are, because you will like, and, and then letting go of that, like need, you know, we get attached to this, like, you missed out, but I need this. I need this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Worry about it. You're going to attract the people that are meant to, you know, that fill you up. And that's what we want. That's what's going to keep you in practice long term. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking to that burnout, I think what really does burn us out more quickly is when we're trying to be trying to present as someone who we are not, um, and trying to fit like this image of, like you said, like what we think it should be. I don't believe in, in shoulds anymore. Um, and like I go through my own business expenses every so often and I review them and I'm like, should I be spending money on this? Like, is that a thing? I know that somebody told me once that I need to do it this way. Do I feel that way? Does that align? Again, does that align with my values? Does that align with what I want in my life? Is this, does this feel good to me really is what it comes down to. And I'm a very grounded in data and science and whatever person. Um, And I try to make data-driven decisions rather than like gut feel decisions. And there are still times when it's it's really appropriate to lean into your gut and to say, this doesn't feel good. I don't know what it is about it. So maybe I need to do a little bit of digging on the data and look at like, what is, what is the data actually telling me, but this doesn't feel good. There's probably something to that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And you're, you know, bringing in my we might cross post this, but I have my other <laughs> podcast that I've like pushed pause on for now is the intuitive women's leadership podcast. And it's, you uh-huh. know, connecting to that, like practice should feel good. The things oh, yeah. we do in there should feel like if we're going to should anything, it's like, does this right. feel good right. to me and for who I am and allow that to be okay. Exactly. So, exactly. I'm yeah. such a fan of, you know, it, it really, it doesn't, I'm not it's like nobody's choices are wrong. I'm well, that's probably not true. Um, there are probably some choices that are <laughs> some flat choices out wrong. That are wrong. <laughs> some choices are wrong. Um, but for the most part, you know, it, it, I'm not saying that there's only one way to run a business and that you should run your business exactly the way I run mine or the way Alex runs hers. I think that there are so many right ways and you have to pick your right way and and really what does feel good and and feel and you know it, like, you know, when you've got it and you know, when you don't, when you don't, it's when you're constantly procrastinating on things and you're, um, putting them off and you're, you're like, oh, this feels really hard. So I'm not going to do it. Um, or, oh, that's something I've been meaning to do for a while. And I haven't gotten around to it. If there's something, literally anything in any part of your life that's been on your list for like more than four days and you haven't gotten around to it, I would seriously reconsider whether that item should be on your list. Like why, what is keeping like you that. from getting around to it? <laughs> so for many listening to the show, it's going to be soap notes, <laughs> which is, <laughs> unfortunately we have to overhaul healthcare in order to get rid of those, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for just coming on and bringing your awesomeness to all of us. Absolutely. I'm inspired. I've got like all these ideas for my newsletter that I keep walking away from. Oh, really? Why do you keep walking away? (laughs) I just haven't, it hasn't been a priority. Like I haven't, and it's it's interesting. So I'm going to go look at why that is because I actually really like to write and I have a degree in comparative literature. So there you go. I've always enjoyed. I mean, if I'm going to wager a guess, I feel like it's because you're in this, like this shifting place, right? Like I feel it's because you are in between these, these spaces and you're still feeling your way into like, which is the space that I want to lean more fully into. So that would be my armchair coaching. Probably (laughs) true. And, you know, for those, when we're in that turning, like shifting 
for me, one of the ways I actually process that is through writing. So. Writing, yes. <laughs> Maybe we should share about where I'm at <laughs> in the written form. Anyways, um, where can people go to connect with you? Obviously, I think you're on Instagram, but you know, just if they want to be yes. around you more or find out more about what you do or any of that. Absolutely. So I'm extremely findable. If you come to successfulfreelancemom.com, that's my primary website. You can find me there. I am at Abby Parrots on Instagram. I am like pretty much the only Abby Parrots out there on the intern webs. So you can Google me, find me. I answer my own email in an almost timely manner most of the time. So uh, feel free to reach out. I would love to continue the conversation. Awesome. Well, I will put links to all that in there. Just the heads up. It's Abby with an I. So A-B-B-I. It is. And uh <laughs> Yeah, I just, I appreciate you. I'm glad that we got to connect while you're in a better time zone for me. And right. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. So thank this you. wasn't a, a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I'm on a mission to help the chiropractic profession heal collectively from the limiting beliefs and broken business models that plague our profession and lead to high rates of burnout. I also believe that women are the ones who are going to do that. I can't do it alone. And so I have two quick asks. One, if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to leave a review and share it with a colleague. This helps the message reach even more women DCs around the world. And second, if you're a Facebook user, Join me in the Chiropractors Healing Collective, which is a place for us to come together for more support and to heal both as individuals and as a group. There we engage in discussion and many of these episodes are actually streamed live so that you can participate and share and get support around many of the topics that we discuss on the show. I appreciate you and I look forward to joining you on our next episode.